You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, Part 3, or Volume 3, entitled Esoteric Lessons, 1913 to 1923, translated by Marsha Post. I'm beginning Part 3, The Origin of the Esoteric Youth Group, with records of the history of its origin and development. For the sake of completeness, I am reading this section. This is Section 8 of the book of these 10 sections I'm reading and it goes from page 329 to page 363. There's very little by Rudolf Steiner himself in this, as I seem to find. It is mostly notes by the various youth group members and has to do with uh, the creation of that. And for those of you who are aware of the uh, type of struggle that was going on in the society up until the founding of the General Anthroposophical Society, where Steiner then united himself with the society for the very first time in the history of anthroposophy, rather than just being the teacher and uh, that type of thing. That uh, there, There is some information in here around that that might give you a clearer picture of that, but very little by Steiner himself. The Origin of the Esoteric Youth Group Forward by the Editor of the German Edition In order to understand the history of the development of the esoteric youth group, we must begin with the general anthroposophical youth movement, because the idea of the group is quite closely bound up with it. The World War catastrophe had shown that the old social connections were no longer relevant, and that a completely new form was necessary. Thus, in spring 1919, the movement for the threefold social organism arose out of Rudolf Steiner's anthroposophy. In the place of the centralized state, this movement strove for the complete self-governing, respectively, of the spiritual life, the rights life, and the economic life. The great echo that made these strivings public consisted of the fact that more and more youth found their way to anthroposophy. At the universities and other colleges in Germany, also in Switzerland and Austria, there arose the anthroposophical student groups, which in the summer of 1920 founded the Association for Anthroposophical College Studies. College courses were held at the Gertianum in Dornach and in other cities with the intention of planting the seed of an independent college entity. People in the Anthroposophical Society apparently viewed this with skepticism, which caused Rudolf Steiner, parenthesis, at the first members' annual meeting of the Anthroposophical Society after 1914, held on September 4, 1921, in Stuttgart, close parenthesis, to react to the vote of a student of the Tübingen University with the following words, quote, Here has spoken a representative of the youth movement, Here sits a whole number of representatives of the student body. My dear friends, that members of such a movement or body have come to our anthroposophical society should be considered epoch-making 
in the history of our anthroposophical movement. We must do everything that can rightfully be expected of the anthroposophical society by these youth. Close quote. Already before this, he had characterized the youth movement, parenthesis, van der Vogel, migratory bird, close parenthesis, that arose at the beginning of the 20th century as a movement arising internationally out of elemental forces. In this youth movement, something lights up from the immensely significant turning point at the end of the 19th century, the end of Kali Yuga. Fired up by such elemental forces, the youth who were interested in anthroposophy and who were partly still closely connected with the van der Vogel youth movement felt themselves deeply unsatisfied by the anthroposophical society. Thus they sought possibilities to organize themselves in an anthroposophical social form. A first circular, dated March 17, 1921, Parenthesis, quote, an die Jugend der Anthroposophischen Bewegung, close parenthesis, bracket, to the youth of the anthroposophical movement, close bracket, close parenthesis, went out from Stuttgart with the call to unite, at the suggestion of Rudolf Steiner, for the founding of a general youth branch. Shortly afterward, Otto Palmer, Jr., was given the opportunity to report on these efforts at the seventh regular general meeting of the Association of the Gertianum, the Independent School for Spiritual Science, on April 25, 1920, in Dornach. According to the minutes, he said the following, quote, To report on the anthroposophical youth movement, about the positive things that have come about, we reach back briefly to the origin of this movement and its development. If we are to understand this movement correctly, we must see it, above all, as a protest that came to life in the youth against the old branch life that has up until now been customary in the anthroposophical society. Indeed, there actually does live in the youth something that feels the need to have anthroposophy not be just something we do on Sunday afternoons, not like wearing it as jewelry or decoration on Sunday, but rather to bring everything that is given in anthroposophy into life and to make it into our practice. That at first, here and there, the mistake was made to approach the affair programmatically rests perhaps partly on the fact that the need was felt so strongly that people should reach out to all sides to contact others instead of starting on a single facet of the work itself and then allowing the further development to crystallize out of this positive work. This gave rise to the controversy that from the one side special weight was given to the need to found a youth branch, and from the other side came the distrust that through the founding of a branch precisely those things would enter into it that were not wanted. This actually purely supposed difference of opinion led to such a solution that we now have in Stuttgart a series of groups. They have grown out of the need of the youth movement in the sense that with their work, instead of one lecturer speaking from a podium with an audience more or less listening, now people have joined together who want to work together on a theme. 
The center point of this work might be a book, a discussion study, or a seminar-like study together of a specific theme with a specialized content. Working in this way creates of itself the basis for the lecturing. The presentations of these groups, which work individually, can be combined into a lecture cycle, wherein a truly living connection is produced between the lecturer and the audience. And the members of the audience feel through their preparatory work that these lectures are the high point of their own work. This solution wishes, in a certain way, to come closer to the idea of freedom of the spiritual life and cannot be boxed in. It strives, because the manner of the branch was felt as coercive, that in the place of this coercion, a creating and forming should take place out of what is truly living, and which cannot right up front be expressed in a specific program or plan. It is a matter of attempting to carry out the freedom of the spiritual life as far as possible within this small parameter. It is necessary to overcome a certain fear, still reigning, that such a free spiritual life will awaken opposing forces that could and will cause difficulties. We can undertake such a task only if we believe to have within us something living, out of which the forces come that are able to conquer the counter-forces. Close quote. On April 16, 1920, Ehrenfried Pfeiffer sent out a circular that corresponded with the call of March 17, 1920. In this circular, quote, Entwurf über Grundzüge der Arbeit im Jugendzweig, draft of the essential aspects of the work in the youth branch, Pfeiffer writes, quote, The work in the youth branch should occur above all with the viewpoint that the youth can one day be carriers of the anthroposophically oriented spiritual science. If we ourselves add ability to our willing, then the fight against the old thinking can be taken up everywhere. If the work of the youth branch occurs in this sense, the form will come about on its own. Close quote. Such an outer form then came about first at the beginning of 1923 through Rudolf Steiner's help. He made it possible that beside the official Anthroposophical Society, the independent Anthroposophical Society could form for the youth themselves. The following stages led up to this. An Anthroposophical College Association was founded, Anthroposophical college courses and conferences were held. However, neither the young nor the old were satisfied with this development, and the conflict between the generations grew ever deeper. This led to the coming together during the East-West Congress in Vienna in June 1922 of some young people who made plans to try to set up a meeting of the youth with Rudolf Steiner concerning their problems. Already in July, three of them, two friends, Ernst Lers and Fritz Kübler, as well as René Maikowski, the business manager of the College Association, could speak about this with Rudolf Steiner in Dorna. He agreed to have such a meeting at the beginning of October in Stuttgart. As a result, Ernst Lers traveled through northern Germany and Fritz Kübler through southern Germany to call the anthroposophically oriented youth to this meeting. 
Ernst Lehrs reported his experiences in a letter to Rudolf Steiner as follows. Jena, September 18, 1922 Dear Dr. Steiner, I am anxious before we are together with you in Stuttgart to tell you of my experiences in the meantime while with the friends in Bremen, Berlin and Dresden and through our written exchanges of opinion. To my great joy I found everywhere a new current out of the same impulses that Kübler and I had when we came to you in Dorna. It has become generally apparent that every attempt at working together in the age of the consciousness soul, also in our group, was condemned to become a working beside one another, a coexisting beside one another. And it has become obvious that it is high time, especially in view of the collapse of the outer framework that can no longer be prevented, to train ourselves through this working beside one another for a brotherliness, so that the working side by side, the coexistence, can become a working together and can serve as a model or ideal. Thus it would be conceived of too narrowly to say that there will be coming together in Stuttgart a number of student teachers who wish to hear something from you for their professional training. Much more, there will come together scientifically, artistically and pedagogically oriented people who for the most part are already working on a community form in the above sense. They all have in common the drive to be educators of the human being because today in all three areas a learning or studying is not enough, but rather a self-education is desired, no longer a teaching but an educating. And to all of them came this year, as far as they are anthroposophists, something like a, quote, friend of God, close quote, out of the spiritual world, like the layman who came to Tauler. Thus, even if those present in Stuttgart are for the most part future school teachers, there is a sizable number of others, for instance, delegates from a group of sculptors and architects out of Dresden. These people are working on forming a work community in which they wish to train themselves and others to become master builders on the basis of spiritual science. All of these, however, wish to be together in Stuttgart in such a way that at their departure from one another something remains together, as it were, in the spiritual world. They want this so that they can in earnest, heartfelt mutuality help and encourage one another from group to group, from place to place, from profession to profession. They wish to give through their exemplary existence and work their fellow human beings courage and trust for a freeing of the spiritual life at last. They wish to do this as a nameless living association. Greetings in gratitude and devotion, Ernst Lairs. P.S. It would be appropriate not to schedule a presentation on October 1st so that the participants have time to get to know each other. The letter makes it clear that the majority of these young people were interested in their future pedagogical profession. On the other hand, some of the others had more the intention to become a nameless living association, independent of profession. The indication of an association of this kind goes back to the meeting that Ernst Lehrs had with Wilhelm Rath and his study group in Berlin in August 1922, therefore shortly before the letter to Rudolf Steiner. 
During the work with the Berlin Youth Group on Rudolsteiner's title Mystics after Modernism, Collected Works, Volume 7, Wilhelm Rath became inspired by the, quote, friend of God from Oberland, close quote, and his circle of twelve friends of God from the Middle Ages. This kindled in him the ideal of building a similar brotherhood for the work of the anthroposophical youth, only with the demands of the present time taken into account. The Berlin youth were further strengthened in this ideal through a call to join the newly formed quote, Bund für freies Geistesleben, close quote, Association for Independent Spiritual Life. This call appeared in the magazine Anthroposophie, Wochenschrift für freies Geistesleben, Anthroposophy Weekly for Independent Spiritual Life, in the middle of July 1922. They were immediately of the opinion that they could not go forward in the way described in this appeal. And shortly afterward, when Ernst Lers was on his organizational trip for the youth meeting and met with Wilhelm Rath and his study group in Berlin, also he became enthusiastic toward the ideal of an association similar to that of the Friends of God. At that time, Wilhelm Rath told Ernst Lers about his idea of asking Rudolf Steiner for a meditation that could be done in common through which all the youth could connect with each other daily in the spirit. Shortly before the departure for Stuttgart, Rath wrote to Lers regarding how he thought this idea could be brought forward at the youth meeting. It reads, quote, I have yet another suggestion, that the request can perhaps only be brought in personal conversations in the course of events, and then, should the occasion arise, it could be brought to Rudolf Steiner. The request is that since we want, for all the future, to come to an intensive, living, working together, that Rudolf Steiner give us the possibility of uniting meditatively at a specific time in rhythmic sequence, even though we are separated in space, by giving us a unifying meditation into which we can immerse ourselves in the morning or in the evening. This idea seems important to me. If and how this takes place, will become apparent. We must also think about the dangers associated with its realization. With this letter, according to Wilhelm Rath in his report, Mein Weg zum Kreis, My Way to the Group, the result was a long wrestling with the formulation of the question to be put to Dr. Steiner. In addition, the relationship of trust that Wilhelm Rath had achieved with a few Berlin representatives of the older generation apparently contributed to the formulation of the question. They had reported to him a few things about the esoteric school that existed before the war, and he was able likewise to speak to them about his idea for the formation of a community for esoteric striving. These people with whom he spoke were Wilhelm Zelling and his wife Karen Zelling, as well as his brother-in-law, Kurt Walter, who was a member of the Executive Council of the Anthroposophical Society until the fall of 1921. These three became protectors of sorts of Wilhelm Rath's endeavor. They also went with him to Stuttgart in October 1922 and belonged then to the founding members of the Esoteric Youth Group. 
On October 1, when approximately 80 people from 18 to 25 years of age, whom a few older people joined, met in the Society House in Stuttgart for the meeting of the youth with Rudolf Steiner, the contrast between the older and younger generations became noticeable. The official society representatives were offended that they were not included in the meeting. They asked Rudolf Steiner why, and he answered that he himself did not know what the young people wanted from him. He said that a few of them had come to him and had discussed all kinds of things with him, and at their request he had agreed to give this course. However, they had not told him what they really wanted. When this was told to the organizers of the youth meeting, they were shocked, and had a friend ask Rudolf Steiner to explain it. Rudolf Steiner answered, quote, You said that you see fixed programs as something for which the time has passed. Close quote. Rudolf Steiner let them know that he agreed with them completely about this. Thus, they were to tell him, based on the work they had accomplished in the meantime, what they wanted him to speak about in the course. He let them know that Ernst Lehrs, in his letter, had suggested that he not come immediately on the first day, in order to let those who have come together have time to find their way to each other properly. Steiner suggested that they use this time to clarify the theme they want for his first lecture. After hearing the first lecture, they would then have the material to help clarify what they would want to hear from him in the second lecture. In this way, totally, as was wished for, the course, without a set plan, should arise in a quite living manner. Parenthesis, according to the report, quote, Entstehungsgeschichte des Jugendkreises, close quote, bracket the history of the origin of the youth group, close bracket by Ernst Lehrs, close parenthesis. In conversations in the organizing committee that followed Steiner's answer, two very opposite views formed. While the Rat Lehrs group wanted to bring a question about building an esoteric community, the other group rejected this flatly and demanded that only a question that concerns the pedagogical realm should be brought. Finally, they agreed on a neutrally formulated question. When this question was then presented to Rudolf Steiner after his arrival on October 3rd, and he appeared to be disappointed by it, Wilhelm Rath felt pressed to express the fact that for some the question that concerns them is about forming an esoteric community. Rudolf Steiner was immediately willing to do this, but suggested that it be discussed first among all the participants of the course. Those who feel sympathetic toward this would then find their way to it. He would then come himself and speak of it in such a way that then, at the next meeting, only those will come who really want this. Several times, all the course participants came together with Rudolf Steiner. In addition, there were discussions among only the participants themselves. After quite intense arguments, the majority separated from the Rat Lairs group. The further discussions then took place in the smaller group without the opponents. When exactly these meetings took place and what Rudolf Steiner spoke about at which meeting cannot be any longer ascertained due to contradictions in the records. It is known only that the date of the last preparatory discussion took place on October 12, 1922. On the following day, only those were present who had decided for the forming of the group. 
There were twelve to whom Rudolf Steiner gave the requested meditation, and three days later, on October 16th, the oath formulation. October 16, 1922, is the founding day of the Esoteric Youth Group. Rudolf Steiner came from the first meeting on, together with Marie Steiner, who participated in everything until 1924. The next meeting of the group with Rudolf Steiner took place in Dornach, but a few days after the catastrophe of the burning of the first Gertianum, on the night of New Year's Eve, 1922. Ernst Lairs reported the following about this, quote, His, Rudolf Steiner's, open criticism in various directions concerning the society and the various activities within it in the weeks leading up to the fateful Christmas New Year's time made one clear about the fact that it was due to the failure on the part of the society that the necessary spiritual protection was missing from the building. Yet it was out of an experience of this failure that the impulse for the youth course arose, as well as what led to the coming about of our specific endeavor. Thus the idea arose among us that we should ask Rudolf Steiner if and how we could contribute to the Anthroposophical Society consolidating itself again, as one of us put it. With this in mind, they asked to be allowed to speak with him. As they then in the glass house on January 3, 1923, asked about their helping toward the consolidation of the society, Rudolf Steiner answered in a calm tone with emphatic earnestness, quote, Just keep yourselves consolidated, and the society will be consolidated. Close quote. Then he gave the advice that they should sit together on a regular basis and in symposium-like conversations reflect again and again upon the foundational impulse of their group. The next meeting with Rudolf Steiner occurred in Stuttgart on July 13, 1923. The group had asked to be able to bring questions. Rudolf Steiner did not allow for this, but held an esoteric lesson for them. A second lesson followed in Dornach on December 30th, during the time of the Christmas conference. To this lesson, Steiner brought Dr. Ita Wegmann in addition to Marie Steiner. According to a record in 1963 by Ernst Lers on, quote, meaning of the group, Rudolf Steiner continued to be at the group's disposal with his advice orally until his illness, and then in writing until shortly before his death. There are, however, no records of this in the Rudolf Steiner archive. For the post-war time, until the new founding of the earlier esoteric school as the, quote, Freie Hochschule für Geisteswissenschaft, close quote, independent school for spiritual science, at the Goetheanum, at Christmas 1923, it holds true generally, and for the esoteric youth group specifically, that the initiatives for esoteric gatherings, as well as for the founding of the Christian community, did not come from Rudolf Steiner himself. It was much more that he sought to meet the questions and requests that came toward him. End of that section. Some details about the twelve founding members, and I am going to read this. Daniel van Wemmelen, 1899-1982, born in Dutch East Indies, a member of the Society since 1921, 
teacher in the Waldorf School in The Hague, the first Dutch Waldorf School. He was a co-founder of this school in 1923. Georg Groot, M.D., 1899 to 1967, born in Ronneburg in the Baltic States, became a member of the Society in May 1920 in Berlin, became familiar with anthroposophy through learning of the threefold social organism, worked then as a co-worker in the Berlin group of the College Association to which Wilhelm Rath belonged. Four years after the burning of the first Gertianum, he was one of the guards who were responsible for the safety of the building and for Rudolf Steiner. Herbert Hahn, 1890-1970, born in Pernau, Estland, became a member in Berlin in March 1912. In 1919, he was called by Rudolf Steiner to teach at the Independent Waldorf School in Stuttgart. Ernst Lairs, 1894-1979, born in Berlin, member since August 1921, at that time a student studying physics in Jena, later a teacher at the Waldorf School in Stuttgart, served on the Committee for the Independent Anthroposophical Society founded in 1923 for youth. Later he taught in The Hague, London, and Aberdeen. After the war, he and his wife, Maria Rochel, taught in the Rudolf Steiner Seminary, excuse me, Rudolf Steiner Seminar in Eckwelden. René Maikowski, 1900-1992, born in Berlin, a member since 1921, studied history and social science. As of March 10, 1922, he was the business manager of the Association for Anthroposophical College Studies, later a teacher at various Waldorf schools. Wilhelm Rath, 1897-1973, born in Berlin, became a member in Berlin in June 1920, bookseller, man of letters, and later farmer in Farach in Kärnten, was on the committee of the Independent Anthroposophical Society with Lairs and Maikowski. Wilhelm Selling, 1869-1960, born in Steinau on the Oder, became a member in Berlin in April 1905, a mechanical engineer. He was for many years a colonial officer in Africa. Because of his early retirement for health reasons, he made himself completely available for anthroposophical work. Thus he was in charge of the Theosophical Library in Motzstrasse and was considered to be the mentor of the youth work in Berlin. was in Stockholm from 1931 to 1939. Karen Zelling, née Flack, 1880-1958, Swedish, teacher, was a member already in the Scandinavian Theosophical Society, married Wilhelm Zelling in 1920 and came to Berlin later a teacher in the Waldorf School in Stockholm. Emma Smith, 1896-1986, Dutch, teacher, along with her husband Daniel van Bemelen. She was among the organizers of the independent school in The Hague. Maria Speira, 1895-1972, became a member in April 1921 in Vienna, came from the Zionist youth movement, later married Wilhelm Rath and lived with him as of 1935 in Frach in Kärnten. Albrecht Strohsheim, 1899-1962, born in Hamburg, Harburg, became a member in Bremen in March 1920, a trained businessman, was first a co-worker in the title Der Kommendentag, The Coming Day in Stuttgart, then a student of psychology in Jena, 
a co-founder in 1924 of the therapeutic pedagogical movement. Kurt Walter, 1874-1940, born in Frankfurt on the Oder, postal official, became a member in June or July 1904 in Hamburg, transferred to Fürstenwalde by Berlin in 1908. In 1910, he married Wilhelm Zelling's sister Clara, who, as of 1905, belonged to Rudolf Steiner's household. After he was transferred to Berlin in 1913, Clara returned to Mozstrasse. Kurt Walter was a lecturer and a leader of many courses. From 1916 to 1921, he was the successor of Marie Steiner in the Central Executive Council of the Anthroposophical Society. And that ends that. Next section is entitled Some Documents of the History of the Anthroposophical Youth Movement. Number one, Appeal for the Forming of a Youth Branch. The first appeal of March 17, 1920, for the formation of an anthroposophical youth movement, was sent to Rudolf Steiner along with the following letter by Robert Wolfgang Wallach. Stuttgart, March 18, 1920. Dear Dr. Steiner, After working through it again, we finished the enclosed appeal to the young brothers and sisters of our movement. We hope very much that it is to your liking. Concerning the form of the work of the youth branch, we have deliberated further and have come to several points that I would also like to submit to you. We will select, out of the circle of the older, recognized members of the society, patrons or sponsors who will guide us spiritually. We will submit our endeavors and activities to them, and they will vouch for us with the society. There will not be an executive council or anything like that. At every place where a working group arises, we will select someone from among us to serve as a kind of work secretary. The wishes for the work groups that are to be held will be given to the secretary. He or she will then seek, out of the circle of older members, an appropriate teacher for the given topic, and will ask that person to take on the task of teaching. The work in the youth movement group shall be managed by the secretary in a free manner that corresponds to our high goal. We are thinking further of doing circulars or newsletters, and later of doing newsletters that can be combined into a magazine among individual working groups. We hope that we will be acting according to your wishes with this, Because I have been given the task of communicating our intentions to you, Dr. Steiner, I need to say that I feel infinitely indebted for having found you and for what you will yet bring. Please accept my complete gratitude and devotion. Your Robert Wolfgang Wallach Stuttgart, March 17, 1920 To the Youth of the Anthroposophical Movement Especially... In the light of the living spiritual striving in the younger generation, we have long and to an ever-increasing degree felt the necessity to make the anthroposophical worldview our own, to express it, and to live it in a manner that is in keeping with the inner and outer needs of our life and time. This need, pressing for realization, has allowed the stimulus to ripen that Rudolf Steiner himself gave for the founding of a general youth branch and has led to the following decision. We call all youth to feel themselves to be a part of the anthroposophical movement, whether or not they are members of the anthroposophical society, 
to join together to form such a youth branch. In this branch, we want to work among ourselves, with teachers we choose, in a manner in accordance with what is right for our youth and what makes it a sacred duty in the dawning of a new age. In specifics, the work will be fully free individually and shall form as is suited to each location. We want to reach out to all the youth groups we have not as yet reached in the conviction that precisely they bear within themselves life possibilities for the future. It is also a call on the anthroposophical movement to rise up to its future world tasks. It needs out of its own nature its own path to this task. The only condition for acceptance in this youth branch shall be the pledge to put oneself with one's whole strength and devotion in the service of the movement. Walter Scheidegger, Rudolf Gehring Basel, Ehrenfried Pfeiffer Dornach, Anton Berg Karlsruhe, Hans Erhard Lauer Heidelberg, Louis Kieser Heilbronn, Elsa Koch Leipzig, Otto Sen Munich, Elisabeth Baumann Dolfus, Paul Baumann, Freier Waldorfschule Stuttgart, Robert Wolfgang Wallach, Staff of the Association for Threefolding Stuttgart. The members of the youth branch as such will be reported to the business office of the Anthroposophical Society in Berlin. We ask that all join together soon in the sense of the call in the various locations and that the lists of names and individual registrants be sent here to Dr. R. W. Wallach, Doboschstrasse 4 to Stuttgart. A circular with recommendations about the manner of the work together will follow shortly. For Stuttgart, the union took place March 13, 1920, Youth Branch Stuttgart Group. Number 2. Undated Circular, March-April 1920. Number 2. Circular Concerning the Form of the Anthroposophical Youth Branch. The youth branch is a work community. Its place of origin is Stuttgart. It has no executive council, but rather a business manager in Stuttgart and work-study leaders at the individual locations. These leaders can be selected annually. The youth chose from among the older anthroposophists their patrons or sponsors for whom they have the fullest trust. All the initiatives of the youth branch will be presented for them to examine. The term of service for the sponsors will be one year. There shall be no more than one sponsor per twelve young people. The members of the youth branch will be reported to the business office of the Anthroposophical Society in Berlin, located at Mozstrasse. The membership cards for the youth branch will be issued from Stuttgart. All may become a member of the youth branch who are prepared to pledge to place their whole strength and devotion in the service of the anthroposophical movement. There is no age limit. However, only those should become members who are willing to give the youngest involved their rights in the entirety of their learning and life. The pledge shall be given after a trial period of six weeks, except when the candidate for membership is already a member of the Anthroposophical Society. Upon acceptance and in the work together, all sympathies and antipathies should be set aside with regard to the matters at hand. The exclusion of members, inasmuch as it is not due to their 
retracting their pledge themselves, can only be done through the business office after a motion from the whole group and with the approval of all the sponsors. In the local group's discussions, which should occur monthly and which must take place upon the proposal of even one member, the votes of those members under 30 years of age count as two votes. With respect to Rudolf Steiner as teacher, the members of the youth branch have the same rights as the members of the society. Above all, the initiative for study and work should be announced to the study work leader by those wishing to learn. The leader then finds the appropriate teacher. As often as possible, the teacher should be sought for among the older anthroposophists. However, the younger ones should also be given the possibility in developing themselves to become teachers. In view of the ultimate truthfulness, real knowledge on the part of the teacher and the receptivity of those learning, the principle for the work should be that it takes place in free working groups and with mutual agreement. In the specifics, the work should adapt to the circumstances of the individual locations. For outreach, it is a matter of working into all the youth groups. We must try to find an entry into the independent German associations, colleges, and youth organizations, and to hold lectures and introductory courses there. We should make an energetic attempt to draw individuals by coming closer to them on a personal basis, exchange of literature, essays in magazines for young Germans, lay out our magazines in reading rooms. The connection among the local groups shall take place according to need through newsletters to be given out. Our insights and experiences are to be recorded in these circulars. In addition, when possible, meetings of the entire branch should be arranged. The local groups will have to collect membership dues at a level that they themselves determine. We ask that a portion of these be transferred to the business office to help cover its costs. We ask that this document be discussed in the local groups and that your wishes for changes in the text or your agreement with it be communicated to the Home Office at Dobostrasse 4 to Stuttgart. Afterward, we will then be able to disseminate it in greater number. The Business Office of the Anthroposophical Youth Branch, Otto Ben. Number 3. Circular from Paul Baumann. April 1920. Paul Baumann, teacher at the Stuttgart Waldorf School and co-signer of the appeal of March 17, 1928, for the forming of a youth branch, distanced himself from a circular concerning the youth branch with the following writing to the members of the Anthroposophical Society. This writing is not dated, but must have been sent before April 16, 1920 as can be seen in the reproduction of Ehrenfried Pfeiffer's letter that immediately followed it. Anthroposophical Youth Movement, A Correction As of a short time ago, a confused activity has been haunting us under the banner of the above title and appears through a breach of trust and a misuse of my signature to be more closely connected with my name that corresponds to reality. Its organizational agenda is the opposite of everything I can represent. I do not intend to disrupt the positive work of the Anthroposophical Society 
by giving irresponsible elements, only because of their young years could these aims be thought of as essential, the opportunity to do their foul work in the name of the society and to misuse it for their own purposes. Just as little do I want to found a senseless youth movement that intoxicates itself on phrases. If there are young people and people interested in the youth who have a firm will for work and study in the anthroposophical direction and who want to bring their striving to expression in a specific group, then it makes sense to form the group. Two viewpoints come thereby into consideration. An extensive work outward in all, especially in youth groups, scientific, artistic, and promotional activity can be accomplished by individuals without any organization. Groups will rise first on the basis of accomplishments and can then enter into contact in order to fructify themselves and to develop a common impetus. If there are today already independent groups in existence, their joining together into an anthroposophical youth movement must bear the purpose of a strengthening. Large-scale initiatives should be made possible through them. The other viewpoint is that of an anthroposophical youth branch within the scope of the society. As a representative who is recognized by the Executive Council, I am forming such a branch at this time because a number of people have joined me under the prerequisites that justify its founding. Of course, this branch would set other requirements for its members than just a mere pledge of the young people. This branch would include the outer activity mentioned before and demand accomplishments in a yet higher degree. The special training of school graduates toward an embodiment of spiritual science in their personal interactions is the specific task of the branch. Goals of such a youth branch are to further the educational work of the independent Waldorf School, to support the spiritual, scientific, academic endeavors, and to find and guide people we can trust for the practice. In the best case, the branch will be able to have only a small number of members. The will of the youngest will be most likely limited to learning. The regulating of their thinking and the purification of their feeling life can require all of their strength and this is urgently necessary today. We can speak of a right to vote only when those involved are trustworthy, and the responsibility to judge this rests with the representative. On this basis, youth branches can arise and then unite. I did not want to give programmatic explanations here, but only brief tips for foundational elements that must be present for a fruitful youth movement. Above all, however, I wanted to correct the views that could be ascribed to me because of a second circular that bore my name and my address as that of the business office, without my being a part of it or being in agreement with it. It was written and sent in my absence. My activity here in Stuttgart already stands in the service of a comprehensive anthroposophical youth movement that is present spiritually. If this finds the possibility also to take on outer organizational forms, then the youth will take through this a great step forward. Paul Baumann, teacher of the Independent Walder School, Landhausstrasse 1072, Stuttgart. Number four, circular from Ehrenfried Pfeiffer, Dornach, April 16, 1920. 
to all who feel themselves to be youthful, who strive for the real renewal of spiritual life. Almost too much has been written about the youth branch already. However, it seems to me, as a co-founder, necessary to take a position concerning two circulars in order to bring the actual task of the youth branch to the fore again. The one circular, number two, was sent from the business office of the youth branch in Stuttgart. It would have been impossible to send this circular if people had been clearly aware that the youth branch, above all, is a place of the most earnest effort and learning within, and of working toward the outside, and no organization should be created. The organization, like a rigid husk, would necessarily smother the good seed. The other circular is from Paul Baumann of Stuttgart. It appears to proceed directly from a spirit that shows itself as a senile youth. The task of the youth branch should be to overcome precisely this. Instead of this, it seems necessary to create an association that will come about out of its own inner need, without sponsors or trusted representatives recognized by the Executive Council. The sponsor or representative could also hinder a living progress through a senile attribute. There is no intention here to criticize these two circulars, but only to show that they do not contain the spirit that can support the youth in carrying out their mission. Their mission is to one day be the carriers of the anthroposophical movement, and already now to bring the renewal of spiritual life out of youthful sensing and feeling to the youth. However, how can the youth fulfill their mission if they are organized per circular number two, or if they are placed under a guardian, such as Paul Baumann aspires to institute, in spite of all the good ideas and beautiful words contained in his circular. The following draft should provide a stimulus for the work that will make this mission possible. Outline of the characteristics of the work of the in the youth branch. The work in the youth branch shall above all take place with the viewpoint that the youth can one day be the carriers of the anthroposophically oriented spiritual science. To enable the members of the youth branch to do this, there shall be in regular meetings, adapted to the local circumstances, an education in the spiritual scientific sense of the participants through appropriate reports, lectures, and the working together of those listening. This training would work especially on the strengthening of the will and a sharpening and freeing of the thinking and the power of discernment. Before the youth branch can do anything outside of its own group, it must have an energetic, knowledgeable core of people who are able, on the one hand, to represent the spiritual, scientific standpoint in relation to the so-called exact science in a comprehensive and convincing manner. On the other hand, they need to be able to show the way to a clear intellectual activity, to active reason, to those people who have a right feeling for spiritual science, but cannot express it in a logical, objective manner. Each person must be conscious of the following. The future of anthroposophy depends on me. I will to develop my capacities in such a way that I am in the position to stand up for and be an advocate for anthroposophically oriented spiritual science with my whole person. Only when there are trained personages 
permeated with such a consciousness, will it be possible to successfully approach the youth groups that are not yet a part of the anthroposophical movement and to win them over for our cause? When we add ability to the forces of will, the battle against the old thinking can be taken up. If the work of the youth branch happens in this sense, the outer form will rise of itself. Those who will to participate in such work will find their way to like-minded people. There will be in these youth groups those who are already able to give lectures and stimulus out of anthroposophically oriented spiritual science. Should the youth find that their ability is not enough, there will surely be some out of the groups of older people who are willing to speak on a topic in the youth branch or to teach in an area determined by the youth branch. A local group does not need an executive council or the like. The only need is for a business manager who takes care of the purely business matters for the local group. The manager is selected by a minimum of seven members. The manager can then connect with the central office. The selected manager remains in office for as long as he or she has the trust of at least seven members. The central office takes care of the forming of the groups and the connection among the individual local groups. The manager of the central business office is selected by the spiritual center, Dr. Steiner. It is the responsibility of the individual business office to arrange the lectures, courses, rentals of sites, the covering of costs, the reporting of the members' names to Executive Council of the Anthroposophical Society in Berlin, and to the central business manager, etc., If there are those who are not yet members of the Anthroposophical Society, but show a firm will to work in the way outlined above, they can be accepted into the youth branch upon their application. The work of the local group will vouch for the new member that he or she supports our cause in the right sense. According to the expenses of the local groups, they may collect dues, a part of which should be deducted to pay the support of the central business office. Practical tips for successful work will be able to be given by every local group communicating the manner of its individual work to its business manager, who then passes it on to the central office, and then the central office passes this on to the other local groups. Through this constant contact, everyone can learn mutually from the successes and failures what is needed and which ways of working are especially effective. This outline should only give the stimulus to work. What could be seen in it as organization is not intended as such, but should only be the thread of Ariadne that provides a common goal-conscious unity of forces. Those who are willing to work in a positive manner out of this viewpoint may send their written agreement to the address below. It is hoped that there will be youth found who are not permeated by senility, and are willing to work in the goal-conscious striving for renewal of their spiritual life. Ehrenfried Pfeiffer, Haus Wendhoff, Dornach near Basel. Number 5. Appeal of the Association for Independent Spiritual Life Transition of the Association for the Threefold Social Organism into the Association for Independent Spiritual Life. In number 50 of the Drei 
Gliederungszeitung, Threefolding Magazine, the change of name of this weekly to Anthroposophy, Wochenschrift für freies Geistesleben, Anthroposophy, weekly for independent spiritual life, was announced. And details of the reason for the necessity of this were given precisely. This was the first step toward a reforming of the foundations of the threefold movement in a way appropriate to the times and circumstances. A further step that proved to be necessary is the transition of the Association for the Threefold Social Organism into an Association for Independent Spiritual Life. The Threefold Movement was introduced under the assumption that it would find a strong echo because it comprises the impulses that lie in the will of the age and of modern humanity as a whole. It did not find this echo. As a result, its effectiveness for the future will extend to that area which is concerned with preparation for a new cultural element, and that is a free spiritual life. The Threefold Movement came into being because a few Stuttgarters, who belonged to the Anthroposophical Movement, turned to Rudolf Steiner already in the spring of 1919 with a request for advice on the rebuilding of social life that was being sought everywhere. Dr. Steiner then wrote the well-known, quote, appealed to the German people and the cultural world, close quote, behind which stood several hundred people out of all circles. This appeal was disseminated throughout Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Subsequently, the threefold movement arose. It built on ideas that Dr. Steiner had already presented in a number of lectures and which he had laid down in Toward Social Renewal, Collected Works, Volume 23. The impulse of the threefold social organism, when understood correctly, cannot be identified with or confused with any other direction of social ideas. What is intended with it lies within the tendency of modern humanity's development. This is only to express clearly what wants to emerge in general out of historical necessities. This impulse will work its way upward under all circumstances, perhaps even more difficult ones than exist now, because it actually lives in the unconscious depths of modern humanity's consciousness. We will see the truth of this fact, as some manifestations today already bear witness to it. The threefold movement was never directed against the state. It wanted much more to give the state a secure foundation by bringing the spiritual, cultural life and economic life into a more appropriate relationship to it than was the case, to its own detriment as a result of modern development. Within the anthroposophical movement, people attempted to nurture a spiritual life that is able to give the present-day spiritual life those impulses needed for its continued development. The threefold movement did not meet with enough response, but in contrast, there is extensive understanding for anthroposophy in all circles, even in the proletariat. These are the reasons for the retreat to the area of free spiritual life, which was always represented and belongs to the cultural task of the threefold movement. In this area, a practical beginning was made for the current important question of education through the founding of the independent Waldorf School in Stuttgart and for the general progress of culture as such with the Gertianum, the independent school for spiritual science. There is among a great many people at the present time 
due to the international situation, a deep need for a new spiritual soul-bearing worldview. Anthroposophy believes that it meets this need in a manner truly appropriate for our time. It is a worldview that is scientifically sound. It shows itself to be artistically fruitful in all realms. With respect to the religious aspect, anthroposophy leads to a deepening, and this is effective in the social aspect. It has at its disposal a comprehensive body of literature. There have been many editions printed of Rudolf Steiner's works, which proves that there is interest in anthroposophy in the widest circles. Such a world-view movement demands, if it is to prove fruitful for the progress of humanity, that it enters fully into public life. The possibility must be given for it to be debated in the broadest measure and in an appropriate manner. The Association for an Independent Spiritual Life wants to create such a forum. The Association wants to provide a ground upon which new co-workers out of all areas of life can stand. The periodicals like the weekly Anthroposophie and the monthly Didrai, the three, make themselves available for the tasks of the Association. A worldview movement such as the Anthroposophical one will show itself to be more capable of life the more it sees itself faced by a free, unbiased, neutral judgment and the more it helps as many people as possible, for whom a new form of the spiritual life matters, enter into a free relationship to it out of their life situation, their experiences and their capacities. Dogmatic and unproductive supporters can only be a hindrance to the tasks of such a movement. It also does not need to shy away from a fight but it should not fight the battle with poisonous weapons. It must use honest weapons, not the opposite. The Association for Independent Spiritual Life wants to provide a framework for this. It will lead further the current beginnings of a movement for independent schools and further all the scientific, artistic and social striving that lie in the direction of a free spiritual life. For this it needs the cooperation of wider circles in a spiritual as well as a financial connection. Membership in the association may be attained by registering with the association leaders whose signatures are below, or with one of the local groups that are forming and are announced in the weekly periodical. Membership dues are 25 marks per year. The local groups will charge, in addition, whatever is necessary to cover their own costs. The undersigned express the expectation that the Association for Independent Spiritual Life, which meets a far-reaching need of our time, will meet with response in wider circles, so that a free spiritual life can prove itself to be an appropriate cultural element demanded by the world situation. Signed by Ernst Uli, as leader of the Association for Independent Spiritual Life, Champigny-Strasse 17, Rector Moritz Barch, Gottschalsstrasse 8, Breslau, Michael Bauer, Breitbun, on the Amersee, forgive my pronunciation there, Hermann Beck, Ph.D., Professor, Doctor of Philosophy and Law, Marion Torgraben, 1, Nuremberg, Herbert Hahn, Ph.D., Teacher at the Independent Waldorf School, Canonweg, 44, that should be Canonweg, 44, Stuttgart, Eugen Kalisko, M.D., 
teacher at the Independent Walder School, Kanonenweg 44, Stuttgart, Emil Leinhaas, general manager, Emil Mult, counselor of commerce, Spitzlerstrasse 8, Stuttgart, Rudolf Meyer, Kottbuser, Hufer 25, Berlin, Ludwig Polzer Hoditz, Friedrich Riddlemeyer, Ph.D. in Theology, Walter Johannes Stein, Ph.D., teacher at the Independent Walder School, Karl Unger, Doctor of Engineering, Ludwig Verbeck, Holzdam, H. Wolbold, Ph.D. Number six, memorandum for the Committee of the Independent Anthroposophical Society for its orientation. Rudolf Steiner, March 1923. In number 50 of the Drei Gliederungszeitung, Threefold Magazine, the change of name of this weekly to Anthroposophy Wochenschrift für Freies Geistesleben, Anthroposophy Weekly for Independent Spiritual Life, was announced, and details of the reason for the necessity of this were given precisely. This was the first step toward a reforming of the foundations of the threefold movement in a way appropriate to the times and circumstances. A further step that proved to be necessary is the transition of the Association for the Threefold Social Organism into an Association for Independent Spiritual Life. Number 1. In reference to the outer constitution of the Independent Anthroposophical Society, you should work toward making this society correspond to the, quote, outline of statutes, close quote. Through this, it is possible to unite in a society those people who feel themselves free as individuals, without the society being threatened by dissolution. Those who livingly understand the outline in the correct sense will have to find that everything is fulfilled in them. Number two. First, it is necessary to bring together all of those people who are already members of the Anthroposophical Society and who, according to the committee, are proceeding with the viewpoint that the society must be separated into two groups in a justifiable manner. Mere dissatisfaction with the old leadership cannot be enough. But only the positive orientation to an anthroposophical goal that cannot be attained by the old leadership. Number three. To begin with, out of this so formed circle of the independent anthroposophical society, select trusted representatives who are recognized by the committee. Only such persons should be selected as representatives who are interested in giving anthroposophy to the present civilization. Then there will come to those who are already in the anthroposophical society those who will have yet to be accepted. However, precisely with these, it is necessary to be sure that they have made the positive aspects of the anthroposophical the direction of their own life. Those who have only a general social interest without an intensive anthroposophical impulse should not be selected as representatives, even if they are accepted into the society with the idea that they will become real anthroposophists. Number four, for acceptance itself as a member, standing within the anthroposophical worldview, to a certain extent, should be decisive. Above all, for acceptance into the general independent anthroposophical society, broad-mindedness must reign. Strictness should enter in first with the forming of the more restricted communities. Number five. 
the independent anthroposophical society should become an instrument for spreading anthroposophy into the world. The lectures and all other work of spreading anthroposophy should come out of it. Also, institutes and other such things should be formed by it. Number six. The general independent anthroposophical society is one thing. The life communities or communities of life that are to be built within it are quite another thing. In these life communities, whether exoteric or esoteric, people must come together who feel that they belong together and want to experience the spirit in common with one another. Alongside of such life communities, it is thoroughly possible that a branch life in the sense of the, quote, outline of statutes, close quote, forms. Branches would then be groups of the independent anthroposophical society in general. It could, however, absolutely be that members of the independent anthroposophical society join the branches of the anthroposophical society and do this work together with the members there. Number seven, the work in the life communities will be such that it remains within the corresponding community. Its goal is the improvement and perfection of those united within it. What those members of such a life community undertake outside the community, they do as representatives of the general, independent anthroposophical society. Of course, such a life community can step up to a specific outer work. However, it is to be desired that then its individual members act as representatives of the general, independent anthroposophical society. This does not necessitate the founding of a bureaucratic administration of an organizational activity, but it can absolutely be a free conscious matter of fact for the individual. Number eight. Each of the committees, that of the Anthroposophical Society and that of the Independent Anthroposophical Society, should form a representative committee. These representative committees have the obligation to take care of the affairs of the general or entire anthroposophical society. Number nine, all institutions of the general or entire anthroposophical society should fall within the scope of interest of the anthroposophical society and the independent anthroposophical society. This can well be when we create a central administrative position that manages the affairs of the entire society on behalf of both committees, communicated through their committees of representatives. The division of the society into two groups should absolutely not lead to any one anthroposophical institution, especially such a one that already exists, being seen as the affair or concern of only one of the groups, a portion to be determined by the committees of the membership dues should come to the central fund, so the business of the entire society can be supported. Number 10. The opinion should be understood that both groups came into being because there are, among the members, actually already two distinctly different groups that indeed want the same anthroposophy, yet want to experience it in different ways. If this is correctly understood, then the relative separation can lead not to a split, but rather to a harmony that would not be possible without the separation. Number 11. 
the independent anthroposophical society should in no way attempt to destroy the anthroposophical society's developmental forces from the past. Those who want freedom for themselves should leave others free. That there are imperfections in the old anthroposophical society should not lead to a feud, but to the building of an independent anthroposophical society that, according to those responsible, avoids these imperfections. Number 12. It is expected that, through the separation, especially the youth in the independent anthroposophical society, will find a state of well-being, for the life communities can be free groups of people who understand one another. This will be able to build a foundation upon which no one will feel their freedom limited, also in the general independent anthroposophical society. Reports from the founding members of the youth group concerning Rudolf Steiner's presentations for the esoteric youth group. Preliminary remarks from the editor of the German edition about the text records and their authenticity. The preparation of a reliable text of what Rudolf Steiner said at the meetings for the founding of the youth group is more difficult than for the other reports in this volume. Three circumstances contribute to the difficulty. First, unlike with the lectures, there was no stenographer present. Some records were much later constructed from memory. Very few notes were taken at the time itself, and even those were quite incomplete. The original notes taken during the sessions no longer exist. We must therefore always take into account that what is reported is at least not exactly word for word, that the attitude and expectation of the listener changed what was heard, and that even in good faith misunderstandings were passed on. Second, at that time the reports and all that go with them were not regularly openly available, but were passed on as private copies, partly undated, to relatively few people within the youth group itself. Members could go to these people to read the copies or to borrow them for a short time. What exist today are often photocopies of handwritten copies. The authenticity is not readily ascertainable. Third, this situation made it possible for there to come into circulation a text that was manipulated out of personal antipathy against the youth group and the Christian community, apparently in order to set certain positions and arguments into the world. It contains statements that are incorrect or interpretations that could not have come from the founders of the youth group. Because the Lairs report is mentioned in it, it must have come into being after that report was written. The author, however, does not give his or her name and does not give any information about how this report came to be. The reason for this is that the text evidently comes from a source that is also otherwise known for its dubious handling of Rudolf Steiner's texts. This report was only disseminated around 1985, years after the death of most of the founders of the youth group. No small part of the texts that circulated within and especially outside of the esoteric youth group came directly from this source or was infected by it. Parenthesis. This text is also the basis of the publication by the Cagliostro Verlag, Cagliostro Press, titled Der Esoterische Jugendkreis, Dr. Rudolf Steiner, 
The Esoteric Youth Group, Rudolf Steiner, Rotterdam, 1986. The authenticity of Ernst Lehr's report was disputed without any foundation, and the author's own view was implicitly maintained. In reality, it was a matter only of a coarsening of excerpts of Ernst Lehr's report, but then expanded with statements falsely attributed to Rudolf Steiner. When we compare this in detail with Lehr's original, we see how primitively the whole thing was done. The fact is that what is contained in this text and is not borrowed from Lehr's comes from the above-mentioned source and not from eyewitnesses. This holds true especially for a two-page passage about the priesthood that maintains that every active anthroposophist is a priest. This may have been the main motive for the manipulation. For this publication, in addition to Rudolf Steiner's own written pieces, the following documents whose authenticity could be ascertained were taken into account and at times quoted. Number one, the report of, by Ernst Lehrs, Entstehungsgeschichte des Jugendkreises, The History of the Origin of the Youth Group, Private Printing. In 1974, Lehrs gives information about this report in his title Beilage zum Entstehungsbericht des Kreises, supplement to the report of the origin of the group. Quote, the original record of the report of the group was done in 1933. Close quote. The original version came about by Ernst Lehrs giving the report to Maria Röschel in shorthand, and she typed it. Afterward, it could be brought into better form through several stylistic changes and a rearranging of the order of the paragraphs. At the same time, could be included what participants at the founding of the group could contribute from memory. This is the way the present version of the report has been done. After 40 years, from 1933, the need has recently arisen to bring out a different version of a certain part of the report. It has to do with the section titled up until now Aus einan der Setzung mit der Christengemeinschaft Argument or Discussion with the Christian Community. Quote, I ask that the new version of the section be given the title Begegnung mit der jungen Bewegung für religiöse Erneuerung. Close quote, Encounter with the new movement for religious renewal. And to cross out the old title. Close quote. Changes in the text, but not those in the title, are insignificant. The original version from 1933 does not exist in the archives. Probably it was hardly circulated, and most likely it does not exist anymore. The first reproduction of this version originated presumably in the 1950s. The paper quality and method of reproducing it support this assumption. In the final version of 1974, the typing errors of the earlier version were corrected by hand and the section about the Christian community was replaced by a text newly typed on a different typewriter, and then the result was photocopied. For this reason, the lines and page breaks are identical in both versions. That the copies are genuine is confirmed also by a circular from Fritz Goethe, titled Nach 15 Jahren, after 50 years, dated Easter 1975. It includes 15 quotes from the report, and the page numbers cited correspond exactly. Lairs read this circular, and then in a letter bearing his signature, he thanked Goethe for it. Number two, two smaller circulars from Lairs. A. Aus der 
Anfangzeit unseres Kreises, from the beginnings of our group, reports about the realization of the two esoteric lessons for the youth group in 1923. It is in this respect, in a certain way, a continuation of the Lair's report that ended with the events of October 16, 1922. This circular, likewise, is undated, but a comment in it shows that it was written in 1952 or somewhat later. B. The circular already mentioned Beilage zum Entstehungsgeschichte des Kaises, supplement to the report of the origin of the group, dated 1974. Number three, a short memo from Lairs for orientation of the group. One copy bears the handwritten title Definition des Kreises, Definition of the Group, according to tradition, the states from 1963. Number four, the report from Wilhelm Rath, titled Mein Weg zum Kreis, My Way to the Group, Private Reproduction. Regarding the report, According to the introductory remarks, Wilhelm Rath wrote this re- his report in 1964 or shortly thereafter. It contains mainly personal memories, but not like the Lehrs report, a private rendering of Rudolf Steiner's remarks at the various meetings. Wilhelm Rath refers to the Lehrs report, but not in detail. Number five, two collections of Rudolf Steiner's comments at the various meetings. The names of the writers are not known. It is probably a matter of notes taken at the meeting and notes made right after the discussions. Lairs and Rat must have had these notes, as they both included them almost word for word in their reports. In this way, their authenticity is to a certain extent confirmed by the eyewitnesses. In one place in his report, Rat refers to this explicitly. Number six, the report by Herbert Hahn, titled Nottetzen, Aus der Erinnerung zum 16. October 1922. Notes from memory for October 16, 1922. Its contents were told to C. Brumberg Hansen in Copenhagen, and he wrote them down immediately. Herbert Hahn signed the original and wrote the date August 12th through the 14th, 1963, on it. This is the document that was then photocopied. Number seven, regarding the two esoteric lessons of July 13, 1923 in Stuttgart and December 30, 1923 in Dornach, the record of the second lesson is from a document signed by Maria Ruschel. According to her notation, the text is put together out of her own notes made immediately afterward and out of those from several friends who quite especially remembered the composition. For the record of the first lesson, there is no signature or name given but it may have been accomplished in a similar manner. The slight differences in the texts that are circulating are certainly to be because of the frequent copying of the text by hand. Number eight, a notebook from Lily Kalisko in which she wrote various verses and meditations. Among them were also those of the youth group. Because Ernst Lehrs' report gives the clearest presentation, an excerpt of it is placed here at the beginning, even though it is not the oldest document in existence. Number one, Rudolf Steiner's presentations for the founding of the Esoteric Youth Group, excerpt from the report by Ernst Lehrs, History of the Origin of the Youth Group. Only the part of the following report is excerpted that has to do directly with Rudolf Steiner. The secondary title is from Ernst Lehrs. 
The parts that have been blocked or crossed out or underlined and which did not change the meaning have been omitted. Some of Lerz's own commentary that was in brackets has been left out, without giving any editorial markings. Other parts of the text that were omitted because they were not important have been indicated with ellipses. All comments or additions by the editor are enclosed in brackets. Also, the page numbers of the original document are enclosed in brackets for cross-referencing. Translators note, some additions from the translator to better clarify the content are also enclosed in brackets. Again, these records were given out of a more or less distant memory, and so some of the details may not be correct. One can see this from the few passages that can be compared and examined. Editor of the German edition, that is the end of section 8 of the book, and I will begin the, these uh, further considerations in part 9. This uh, part of the book is from page 329 to page 363.